and always we begin with welcome back to the Fear and Trebling <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Try to think of creative ways to say hey. Yeah, just y'all. hello. <laughs> about as good as you get. Check huh? us out on fearandtremblingpodcast.com. <laughs> there oh, you go. Oh, there's a plug. Throwing in the plug. No, it's good to have you all back uh, listening to us as we fear and babble around the table. That was a bad joke. No, this week, this month, this week, um, my brain's not completely there, so we'll, we'll, we'll make it through. This month, we are talking about the book, The Bible Tells Me So, uh, by Peter Enns. And uh, Darwin, you're going to be leading our conversation today, so right. I'm going to toss it over to you. So who else is around the table? Oh, well, there's Darwin around the table. Darwin's here. There's oh. Darwin. There's JB is around the table with Fusion. And Bill is around the table. He's the celebration guy. Okay, yeah. good. And I guess I'm Aaron. Oh, yeah, so. you are. <laughs> All that. So, hey, we're going to be taking a look at um, Peter Enns' book, The Bible Tells Me So. We're going to be talking about that. The first thing that will strike you about this book, if you were to actually see it, is the cover is safety yellow. Ah, and see it, from it just kind of jumps out at you. And um, the subtitle, Why Defending Scripture has made us unable to read it, um, is kind of intriguing and, yeah. and invites you into, mm-hmm. into the text. Um, I'll have to be honest with you, as, as I read through the book, um, I, there were parts of it that I loved. Um, there were parts of it that I didn't love nearly as much as, <laughs> as others. Um, so, so I think you're going to hear that. What coming. do you really want to say? Yeah, well— <laughs> I just flat out disagreed. <laughs> yeah, um, but, but, um, Fair enough. But, but, but I think, I think um, Peter Enns um, begins with a really um, intriguing question, and I think it's a really important question. Mm-hmm. And, and he begins by, by asking, um, how does the Eastern way of seeing the world um, through stories and through images – differ from the Western way of seeing the world, which is generally um, in words and logic. Um, And how does seeing the world through um, words and logic um, inform our reading of the scriptures that were primarily written to an audience that worked with stories and images? Yeah, and and to that point, he's just talking about putting it in its original context. Putting it in its original context. Seeing how God chose to reveal it. Yeah, so so I think it's... I think it was a great, great question, I and mean, I think it's it continues to be a great question. Um, it's a question that every person who's read the scripture um, seriously, in other words, try to understand its context, has had to wrestle with. Sure. Um, and, and is it is it fair to say too? I mean, that under that subtitle, "Why Defending Scripture Has Made Us Unable to Read It." That that our way of reading it oftentimes is part of what leads us to feeling like we have to defend it. That's right. That's right. Sure. That, that we have to defend it. It has to fit into certain categories and boxes of the modern world in a way that sure. calls us to defend it. And basically, the implication is, um, for those who are trying to defend the Scriptures that way, um, he's, a, he, he's implying, he doesn't directly say it, but he says, um, when we try to defend the Scriptures in that way, we're, we're, we're asking the wrong questions. Yeah. Um, That's a much nicer way. Yeah, he says it, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, he's got kind of, a little he's, sarcasm. He's That's really why snarky. I don't. Uh, yeah, snarky. Snarky is a good word. Well, there's, yeah, a, snarky there's a snarkiness. <laughs> actually, there's a snarkiness throughout the the book. Oh yeah. Um, that at Pervasive. first I found kind of like enlightening and kind of fun. Um, 
And um, but after the second chapter, it became really kind of annoying. Yeah, it was it was, it was <laughs> tiresome know? for me. You know, it was tiresome. <laughs> it it was it was like um, backhanded comments, um, backhanded compliments that were really insults. That's that's kind of his snarkiness, and um, I can tolerate a little bit of that because I'm kind of guilty of that kind of humor sometimes. Um, <laughs> no, but I, I hope no. not nearly as much as him. <laughs> And you're not. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, does the <laughs> level to which our appreciation for the snarkiness say something about each of us yeah, around the yeah, table? Yeah, 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 <laughs> probably. So, um, so I think he asked really good questions. Um, I appreciate um, his calling, his summons to read the Bible seriously and carefully. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I thought that was good. Um, the passages that he explores are definitely intriguing passages, though I'm not always sure I agree with where he ends. I, I know I don't agree. Yeah. Um, and yet throughout the book and, and the snarkiness, I think it's really important to note it. Um, and this is a, kind of an academic image, but I think people will get it. Um, it often feels like he's engaging um, what in academics we call a straw, a straw person. In other words, this person that's set up out there that um, is easy to knock down. Yeah, sure. And and so there are just times that I'm just like, I, I, I just like, nah, I don't think so. Yeah. And what, what seemed to be missing throughout the text um, is guidance in helping me to read Scripture more faithfully. It was either I read Scripture as – Logical, Western, da da da, or I read it this way, but there was nothing bridging those two pieces. Okay. Yeah, sure. And and there was no option. I wasn't attracted no. to either one of them. No, no, right, I, I, right. So I wasn't attracted. To, I didn't find my like in his imagery and his characterizations. I didn't see myself. Well, that's fair too. You're right because that's the straw person is you mi- misrepresent your your opponent. And then you knock down that misrepresentation. You never gauge your opponent. Yeah, I don't know if he misrepresents his opponent as much as he sets up the ideal opponent. Yeah. Okay. So okay. Well, yeah. So yeah. let's um, let's begin with this question. <laughs> a lot of background, yeah. um, and you can tell that there's some ah, about the book. Um, but, but, uh, but, so what, what, <laughs> um, but I guess he does say reading the Bible is hard work. Sure. And so I guess the first question I asked myself when I got done reading it is how does this challenge me to engage Scripture more faithfully? How did reading this book challenge you to engage Scripture more faithfully? I think for me it, it was that reminder of we've got to do the hard work of cross-cultural, that cross-cultural work. Mm-hmm. Right. To go, We're not talking about westernized people. We're not talking about – people who lived post-enlightenment. We're, ta- we're talking about a different culture. We're talking about a different way of seeing life and experiencing life. Um, and in understanding that, yeah, to, to work from a framework of story, narrative, those types of things, like he, he brings up the whole gospels, right? The four different perspectives sure. mm-hmm. to tell the, the same story, but right. to unique audiences. And, and so, yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm like, amen, that, I actually wish he would have started earlier in the book with that in in order to do some of the work later. So in some ways, flip the entire book. um, That would have been a little more helpful for me. Um, But just to say, to interpret the scriptures is not a simple formula. Right. And 
And if anything, you know, if, if folks are reading this at home and listening, because some people might actually ask us, why would you recommend this book right. to read? Um, because sometimes it can offer some, I mean, he could potentially offer some avenues that could be dangerous. Very much um, so. Yeah. But, but being able to say, I think some of the good that exists in it is worth like to this very point of going it to do interpretation is hard work. This isn't just right. I can sit here and be a fundamental, like just go, well, I'm taking it at face value. Right. Well, face value from whose perspective. Right. Right. And and don't you think there'd be other sources that you could wrestle with those same questions in a more helpful sort of way? I, I kept wondering where would I use this book? And I thought, well, if I were to have a 20-book reading list on problems in postmodern hermeneutics, this would definitely be one. <laughs> um, now you need to explain postmodern modern hermeneutics. <laughs> right. Well, for the you know 0.01% of the population out there that's interested, you'd have to read it. But it just seems I'd, I would send folks that I love, folks in celebration, for example, to different places to wrestle with these same questions. Sure. How do you dig into it? How do you learn and and get this? But um, it was certainly worth engaging. It was helpful for me. So I'm I'm fascinated by the illustration you chose his discussion of the four Gospels because as he's talking about narrative and story there, he then reverts to Western logic thought (laughs) to explain the relationship (laughs) between them. And I was like, oh, wait, pause, yeah. pause. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, for me, I think some of the same, just reading the Bible in context. And and I think I, think I resonated because I think when I was younger, uh, I maybe lived into some of those straw man things where I was trying to make sense of it from a Western perspective. Right. Um, and so there were parts of it um, that resonated um, that I found I found helpful. Like, yeah, we read different genres differently, and you got to ask the right questions if you're going to get the right answers. And um, again, conclusions, you know, some things that I would differ on. Um, but <laughs> I thought nice I thought it got at some of those issues and and problems that that I had to work through um, myself. That right. that was that was good. And I'd say along those same lines of just growing up in the church my whole life. You know, church, Christian schools, uh, then Christian undergrad. It really wasn't till my undergrad and then into seminary where I was challenged to read the Bible with how he challenges, like with that mm-hmm. cultural lens to to go, wait a second, this is a different a different time. This is different people. This is different. And, and the biblical story works differently. Right. And I think, and I think it's helpful because... I mean, I remember going like in in classes, and people were having like crises of faith because that yep. pop paradigm wasn't working anymore, right? And they were trying to, and and all of a sudden they're being introduced to this other paradigm that they've never even like thought about, and it's like, well, does does is everything falling apart, right? And I think I think maybe it's not this book, but how I I've yep. thought about that a lot, like how do we equip? Uh, particularly young people who are maybe going to be exposed to new paradigms or whatever, how do we equip them to face that and not have, or be a better equipped to have maybe a, a, an appropriate crisis of faith or a pivot point or, yeah. or something, you know what I mean? Right. Well, well, that's where I felt like he left me hanging because mm-hmm. um, I encountered very similar stuff as a freshman in college. And what I came to the conclusion of was that neither that real 
flat Western reading nor what he's offering would get me there. That's why I felt like he left me hanging. There was a place that someone could take you that kind of helps you step up or away from some of the things you're speaking to without getting in what to me is a quagmire. I don't don't know that he helps me find um, in the Scripture guidance for growing and loving Jesus. So the thing I wrestle with there, and, and is 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 our tendency to read scripture, um, and and to, our tendency to when we wrestle with scripture, to do it out of fear. In other words, we might find something there's wrong, and it's all going to come crumbling down together. Because I remember, you know, I remember those lectures. I remember those situations where if if you don't believe exactly this about Scripture, mm-hmm. your whole faith is going to come tumbling down. Is, is that kind of a – is what he's getting at is critiquing those who read Scripture out of fear of losing their faith. So they're afraid to, they're afraid to go deeper. They're afraid to wrestle with the historical context. They're afraid to say, I – don't know how to answer this question about this text because it's so far removed from both my experience and from history and from what we know. Um, rather than walking by faith and saying, this is God's word, and there are some things that we just take by by faith because we believe it's inspired by God. So I, that's kind yeah. of the – and I'm probably not framing that well at all, but it's just like I, so many – People I encountered in in school seemed to be their reading of scripture was almost fear based. Um, that if they didn't hold on to it in this exact way, everything would fall apart. Yeah, I, one of the gifts I think I had in seminary, um, JB, you'll remember Dr. Kaiser, um, and uh, Walt Kaiser, um, Chris, Chris, Chris Kaiser. Okay. okay, yeah, I'm like I had to think of it. Um, but uh, I had Walt he, Kaiser. Okay, that's what I was asking. <laughs> and, and at once, I mean, it, this it hang with me here in what he says because what he said was, you know, he gave you permission to really explore and have freedom to what you're talking about. Right. To say, man, if you're not kind of accused of a heresy at some point in time, you haven't really tried too hard <laughs> in 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 the journey of theology and wrestling with the whole point for him was wrestling with the Bible right. and it. And it came with actually an exercise where he challenged us to think through like the Nicene Creed. Mm-hmm. And do we think that the Nicene Creed is saying everything it needs to say? And people were scared. Like, right. And, and it wasn't how do we undercut it by any means. Right. And when it comes to theology, I mean, he was a rocket scientist and theologian. Like, And, and he was an atheist before. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, part of his story was not fear. It was he came at it. With a blank slate and came to faith through those yeah. Yeah. those disciplines anyway. And in yeah. just that ability to say no, engage the text and don't be afraid of God. Don't be right. afraid of the story. Don't be afraid he's going to swing a big bat at your head. Right. If you believe the wrong thing for this moment, it was a really grace filled reading. Um, and certainly, Chris did phenomenal theological work, faithful to the scriptures. But to what you're saying, Darwin, I mean that freedom. I had always grown up with a fear. Right. Right. If we don't get this right, we are in big, tr- you're in big trouble, mister. Right. You know, like, and, and then it's like, well, how do you, uh, okay, then I'm going to just stick to the words that it's saying. 
That's all I right. So I think it's it's, it's interesting. He so I, I, I'll move the discussion a little bit in a different direction. He tells he sees the Bible as as and correct me if you think I'm wrong. He sees the Bible as a collection of stories. Yes. But I didn't really sense that there was a grand narrative tying all those stories together, at least in this book. Am I, am I missing something? No. I I was thinking even that there's a central author that we read these stories to meet that meta narrative or the Holy Spirit who's going to meet us here and guide yeah. us and, and, and we'll be – It'll be clear sometimes. It won't be clear other times. But there's somebody else here as well. Right. Like that was I, – I think that was the part at the end that I got kind of – it's like, nah, I, don't, I think you're missing something. Because it was almost like, oh, the gospel writers had this story of Israel, and then they just made some – put some things together to just make it work with Jesus. As opposed to, no, this was the Spirit's work moving all along. That yeah. was – and I was like, oh, that's a difference. You know, that's... Yeah. right. And maybe I, I was misrepresenting him, but that was what I was gathering. I, I was feeling the same thing. And that always... It seemed like, and in other situations like this, it seems like I'm reading a Bible that is a purely human, a, a product of humans. Um, is there God at work in the life of these humans, in the culture of this these humans? Sure. But it's more than just a collection of humans. There's something bigger going on, even when I miss it. Yeah, I think if if I could classify it, he'd go. I'm, I'm t- the the first part of the Bible is Israel telling Israel's story, right. and then Jesus in the Gospels um, kind of reframes Israel's story to tell his story because that's what a good Jewish theologian right. rabbi would do. Right, and then Paul, following suit, would then just tell the story about re- reframe it all around pointing back to Jesus, but. It wasn't like you go like we're going through a series right now on Sundays called The Story, mm-hmm. where at its very fundamental level, we say the Bible is about God's story mm-hmm. before it's about Israel's story, before it's about our story, before it's about anyone else's story. There's meta narrative. It's God's story. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't that for me wasn't there. Right. Yeah. It, it, this wasn't. God's story. It was Israel telling their story of how they won and how they got to be, (laughs) and then how they didn't win sometimes. And God was there, but it wasn't really his. Well, and the implication too is, okay, Jesus reframed Israel's story, Paul, you know. So then it's like, okay, so what are you saying? Can we just reframe Reframe the story to fit our narrative? And it's like, and he no, leaves no, you hanging yeah, there. Yeah, it's like, no, 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 no. Right. Like, Jesus has unique authority as the Son right. of God. Right. And right. I'm not, I don't know. I mean, maybe he would believe that, but that wasn't. Right. Um, I, I think he gets I, there at yeah. the end, but it's not as maybe stated as directly and clearly as. And there were moments where it was like, like three pages later, I was like, oh, okay, I'm with you yeah. there. Yeah. Right. But how you said it two pages earlier. Right. Because, like, made it come across like huh yeah. right i believe he believes in jesus there's right. I, like i, I don't so. i don't yeah. doubt yeah. that yeah. i'm yeah. not yeah. um but to your point jb of going i'm i'm almost left to think so now i can make out of the scriptures what i need to make out i can reinterpret them and he never goes right. there now like that's where i mentally go there with all of Good his point. logic yeah. yeah but but he stops and doesn't say oh by the way be careful 
he he or, runs you <laughs> off the cliff and stops. Yeah, or, and the book is yellow, safety yellow. Right. <laughs> um, so so as as you, as you think about this book, um, and 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 reflect on how odd from from Enza's perspective after reading this book. Um, how ought Scripture to function both in our lives and in the lives of our the communities that we participate in? How should Scripture function? And I think Aaron got us started in that direction. So I'll I, throw the I think throw it to me. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, I think he would say it's part of our story. Um, it's certainly, I to me, it would still seem, and maybe I'm just trying to be a gracious reader as well. I mean, that's good of, of going, I, I think he would say the Bible still impacts and informs our story. I think he still believes Jesus is at the center of that story. Right. Yes. Um, however, I don't know if, I don't know the, t- the capacity he would believe what we call in, in our reform tradition, special, that special revelation, yeah. um, in the authority of I would wonder, I'd love to talk to him around what is the authority of the scriptures um, and what that means to shape us versus us shaping them. Right. Um, Yeah, you've put your finger on one of my central concerns, the shape us or we shape it. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say one of the things I appreciate is um, so often I think we have a tendency to just kind of bypass and overlook the difficult passages. Right. Yep. And so I did appreciate him just taking them all on <laughs> head on, you know, like, yeah, yeah this <laughs> is, this is troubling. Like I, I have a hard time, you know, and I, I appreciate that. And I think as those who are committed to the scriptures to not ignore bypass, but to at least just recognize those moments when it's like, yeah, this kind of feels right. a little, right. Hmm, right. But yep. it's here and we have faith, but, Let's just acknowledge that too, you know, not to just gloss over it. I, I, right. I think there's something helpful. There. Yeah, let the hard parts be hard. Yeah, yeah, and continue to struggle with them. I was wondering, you know, we've done Carl Truman's book and talked about the rise and triumph of the modern self. I began to wonder: is this Bible interpretation in from a foundation of expressive individualism, that sense of oh, where it's the self that determines truth and meaning, and so? myself, true self, reads these texts and sees these texts in light of me. Is that kind of what we're struggling with here? Yeah, I mean, that can be, I, th- I think that can be fair in an understanding because as much as sometimes we want to read and interpret through a, like an Eastern lens, an ancient Eastern lens, I can be doing it for the purpose of rationalizing <laughs> exactly. something for myself. Right. Right, I can work it to my own degree while making it sound like it's a a faithful or, um, yeah, these are deep worldview enlightened, things. That's you know, challenging perspective. Sure. Yeah. So if um if Iz was um sitting at the table here, and it'd be really fun if he was, um, uh, yeah, what question would you have for him? Ooh, interesting. And I, and and I want to say this as as they're pondering. Um, we're reading one book, right? right. Um, we have not read all his works, yep. and so some of the things that we may be wrestling with here may actually be clarified in other things that he'd written or speeches he'd given. And I, so I, yeah. So, so that's the kind of I want to be that that gracious reader here, even though I struggled a lot with it. I want to be that gracious reader who sure. says that's there fair. are places where he's probably clarified some of these things. Um, in ways that would be helpful. I'd, I'd actually just like to 
go after the is the how do you understand the Bible as God's story in and how does that then go back and influence Israel's permission to shape stories and things like that right. like because if that's there, I'm even more, I'm I'm then intrigued because yeah. there are those things that I'm with you. I'm I'm with you that Kings and Chronicles are telling stories from different different angles and perspectives, right? Like at different times, radically right. different, different times. times. Yeah. Um, and for us as trying to be faithful readers of Scripture, man, that's enlivening as we try to preach and proclaim that. Right. The more we know that, the more we can help it come. Out. So I yeah, I'd love to. Just see where where's he at at that and yeah. on that and how does that inform? Okay. I'm not sure what question I would. Yeah, I hear that. <laughs> I'm not sure what what question I would like. I I think it would be something in the area of how I'd want to observe him helping a lay person rather than a seminary student. Okay. Learn how to read scripture okay. and grow sure. a heart, you know, for okay. Christ. Yeah. Draw closer to the good work of God in Jesus through reading the scripture. What would that look like? I I feel like he's blowing some things up for seminary students so that they can clear some probably not healthy things away. Mm-hmm. And I see the value of that. But you gotta build something else there and it's gotta be for more than seminary students. Right. Now he is teaching college freshmen now at Growth. I think. Oh, okay. Growth and, City. and he does have a, a, I think a whole children's um, curriculum on oh, reading, be, reading the Peter Ends does. Yeah. Oh, that yeah, would be on fascinating. Going through the scriptures. Yeah. So if if he's as good as Sally Lloyd Jones and every story whispers his yeah. name, <laughs> I would it, I would be won over. Yeah. So I don't know if that's possible. <laughs> it would be tough. That's the gold standard, man. Even Tim, Tim Keller ascribes to that. He tries to rise to that point. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I have a specific question, but just yeah, I've, I've listened to some of his podcasts. He does a podcast, Bible for Mo- Normal People. So yep. I've, I've, it's been a while, but just kind of interesting to get different perspectives. And um, yeah, I, I think something around. What do you believe the gospel? Like, what is yeah. the gospel? What is the gospel? Sure. And uh, let's 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 talk about that because I, I I don't know. Like, it's easy to critique where people are off, but it like like you're saying, what is the path forward? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Anyway. And I think it's fair, Darwin, what you're saying too. Anytime you're reading a book, and it's especially when it's either the only work of that person, right? or one of many, is no book can say everything that any author yeah. wants to say. And and I think a good book leaves us, this is just my opinion, but leaves us wondering and asking more questions. Right. Right. And, and going, okay, it, if you solved everything, you know, I think John Calvin tried that in the Institutes. <laughs> Didn't get there. I, Did Aquinas uh, do that in the Summa? Is, did he do no. the super Bart theological? Got, Bart might have gotten there. <laughs> yeah. Bart would just tell you he got there <laughs> in the in the very fine print and say how you're yeah, wrong. So. Yeah, yeah. What I what I do think is that if he was sitting around this table, it'd be a riot. He yeah. seems like he'd be a uh, fun guy to <laughs> yeah. sit around the table. We'd, we'd Probably laugh. snarky too. That's what I'm saying. Right. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's we, we'd all be, be bleeding. Yeah. He'd have a few questions for us. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. What about you, Darwin? What? 
I would probably come back to the meta narrative question. Okay. Um, similar to you, um, what is the grand story of Scripture, and how do these other stories contribute? How do they help us to interpret the meta narrative? But how does the meta narrative help us um, interpret these stories? Yeah. Um, how, how does it all fit together? So, but that's kind of where I, that's kind of where I landed. Um, great book. Um, I'll just say this: books like this, um, all books, are better read in community. Um, you can read them, and you can discuss them, and you can share your ideas with them. Um, not all books um, that you read you agree with, and that's okay. Um, that can be really fun as well. And and like Aaron said, um, any book that I read, if I leave with more questions than I did beginning, um, then I feel like it was a worthwhile read. Yeah. Um, if I leave with fewer questions, I'm often disappointed, um, which is a, a strange um, a strange way to be in the world. But um, the Bible tells me so. Um, why Divinity Scripture has made us unable to read it? An intriguing read. Um Brought to us um, with a cautious um, safety yellow cover. Um, I don't know if that was unconscious on the part of the publisher or not, um, but a great read. And so thank so, you all for your um, questions. Yeah, all right. yeah, and if I talk too much in this one, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks for leading us through that, Darwin. Um, next month, we're going to be diving into uh, another book, What's So Amazing About Grace and uh, Bill? By Philip Yancey. This is one of the five most influential books in my entire life. I first came across it. It was a new book in 1998 and was going through some things in my own life, and it began to help me really understand how that meta narrative is about Jesus giving his life for us. Philip is a great writer. Um, his ability to tell stories, to illustrate things from real life is outstanding. If, if Philip Yancey wrote a car repair manual, you'd want to read it. It it would just be the best thing you'd ever read on car repair. This I is want to read every car repair. Well, I yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're wrong, wrong example. Yeah. Bill's setting you up. Don't yeah. not like this book. <laughs> but it, you love reading it. It really opens up grace. And Mary Lynn uh, has been reading it over the past several months as well. And we keep seeing how amazingly. Um, applicable, a book that we read in the late 90s is to 2022. It's cool. really dealing with some issues and some challenges that are central to life, but also central to our moment. Great book. So, so you're saying that a book written in the last century is helpful for this century. <laughs> yeah. Philip's still writing. He's a great, great writer, but this is a great introduction to him. Awesome. Well, thanks, Bill. Yeah. Looking forward to, to revisiting that book and yeah. uh, inviting you to join us along again uh, because we're going to do a better outro than intro. Uh oh. I'm Aaron. Okay. I'm Bill. <laughs> I'm JB. <laughs> and I'm Darwin. <laughs> we're the Heart of Wife staff. <laughs> right. All, all with it today. Uh, yeah. All in harmony here, guys. We need to work no. on it. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening and God's grace be with y'all. <laughs> <laughs>